0: Doesn't leisure lead to happiness? The answer is no. Leisure leads to what's called the existential vacuum. A person feels he has no purpose in his life. He doesn't do anything with his life. He just hangs around all day and that's not going to make him happy. That's laziness. Episode number 99. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The portion of the week is Amor, why you have to be strong, hard work and laziness. We're going to have a powerful parable about the new clock and a great story about Rivet Benjamin Finkel, and peace in your home, the benefits of peace. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. The verse in this week's Parsha 2110 says like this, And the Kohen was elevated above his brothers, upon whose head the anointment oil has been poured, or who has been inaugurated to wear the garments, he shall not leave his hair unshorn or rent his garments. So if Chaim Shemuel Lavich, the Rosh Hashiva of the Mir Leva Shalom, brings the Midrash Rabbah that says like this, The Kohen, the priest who is elevated above his brothers, the Midrash asks, Why is he called the Great Kohen? The answer is, He's greater in five things among the rest of society. How does that translate? He's greater in wisdom, in strength, the way he looks, he's richer, and he's older. And the Midrash continues, and brings the proof. What's the proof that he was stronger? Because it says, When Aaron lifted 22,000 Levites in a single day, how could he lift them? forwards and backwards and upwards and downwards, this proves he was a strong person. The verses in Numbers say, 8.11 and 8.21 say, And Aaron waved the Levites. He picked up people. The Levites cleansed himself and washed their clothes. Then Aaron lifted them as a wavering before the Lord. And Aaron atoned for them to cleanse them. Just like we know that some sacrifices the Kohen has to lift up, and that's the way the atonement works. Aaron lifted lift up all the Levi the entire tribe of Levi in one day, which seems physically impossible. But that's the proof that he was super strong. The question is, where did he get this strength from? And not only that, there's a Gamar in 31a that says, Eina so el that Hashem does not put his presence except on one who is strong. Physically strong. So what does that have to do with anything? Why does a person have to be physically strong to be spiritual? So the Rama wants to explain that it doesn't mean physically strong. He says like this. It means, It means, He's strong in his mind. A Yitzro, against his Yitzhahara. He's a gibor, he's a super strong person in his midos, in his character. He has a strong character. Like it says in Avos, it says in Perki Avos, Who is strong? The one who beats his evil inclination. And that's what the Rambam wants to explain what it means by strong. It means spiritual strength, not physical strength. But the problem is, The of Mishnah and the Lechem Mishnah say love. It's not Mashmaken. Why? Because it's just the Midrash we just read. It said, physical strength. And we have other cases of this. We know, for example, Moshe Rabbeinu lifted up the luchos. That shows that he was physically strong, something that a normal human being couldn't do. And Yaakov moved the rock, which took many men to move. Physical strength. So why does the Rambam say that it's spiritual strength and not physical strength? We have to answer this difficulty. So if Chaim Shmuel brings Mishle 2432, that says like this, I passed by the field of the lazy man, and the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And lo, it had become overgrown with thorns, and it was covered with thistles, and its stone fence has been destroyed. I perceived this, and I considered it well. I looked upon it, and I took from it a lesson. That's what the Mishle says. So he wants to explain that we can learn from this Mishle the foundations on how not to be lazy, he says the essence of laziness is a person who's chaser leiv, devoid of understanding. Neglect and laziness are the result of apathy and a profound lack of sensitivity. It is only by being totally and completely conscious of the consequences of laziness that one can attempt to overcome it. And what do we see in the Pasukim? It says like this It says, First, Shlomo said, Shlomo Amalek and Mishlei said, First he passed by the field of arti, And then he pauses, it says, Lushen. He pondered, he looked at the field. And finally, the realization strikes him, it says, He paid attention, it entered his heart. The way to overcome laziness is, is to think of the consequences of your laziness. He continues, the key to self-improvement is actual perception and understanding of the consequences. The end of the Mishle says, I saw it and I learned a lesson. It was by seeing the consequences, by seeing the field broken down, by seeing it with your own eyes, that's the way to overcome laziness. And he says it comes down to the feelings, not just your thoughts, not just your ideas. It has to penetrate your feelings. You have to really feel, what's going to be if I don't do my work? What's going to be if I don't do what I'm supposed to do? My field will be a mess. Everything's going to break down. The person has to see that in his mind's eye and feel it. He brings a proof from David and Melech when Shmuel came to him and brought him a masha after the sin that he sinned with Batsheva. And he sent Uriah to the front lines, that's Batsheva's husband. So Shmuel and came to him and taught him a story. There was once a man who had one sheep and there was another man who had a lot of sheep. And this man that had a lot of sheep, he came along and took the one sheep that that man had. What do we do with such a person? He asked David Melech. And David Melech said, he should get the death penalty. So then Shmuel turned around to David and said, that's you. You took away the one wife of Uriah. You have many wives. Why would you have to take his wife? So the point of the story is that even though intellectually, David understood that doing such a thing is wrong, but it didn't penetrate his heart until Shmuel Navi came along and gave him a mushal. He gave him a parable, and at that point he understood. So it's not enough just to intellectually understand, but you really have to feel it. But what happens when it comes to being lazy? The Yetzirah, the evil inclination, comes along and says, Listen... You don't have the capability to do such a thing. Just sit down, relax, take it easy. How do you think you're going to be so successful? You're not capable enough. He brings the verse about the Mishkan that said, V'yova ish asher nish'ar libo. It says that the people who came, who felt they can help to build the Mishkan, came. So the Ramban explains there, wait a second, these guys weren't artists, they didn't know what to do. But the answer is because they wanted to do it, they desired to help. Hashem filled their mind, Hashem gave them chokhmah. Because if you really want to do something, you will get the capabilities. Saying you don't have the capabilities is just an excuse. A person who really wants something will find the capabilities. And not only that, he'll have the siyat Dishmaya, He'll have the help from heaven to get the capabilities. That's the proof from the Ramban. And surely it's true. in a vote is a And serving the Creator, Hashem will open up your mind and your heart to understand what you need to do. It's just a question that you can't have excuses. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I know I'm not smart. I don't know how to learn. You have to get yourself up, and you have to realize that those are just excuses of your Sahara. That's just the laziness inside of you talking. Don't listen to it. Realize that you can do. You can succeed if you want to. But the evil inclination will come along with another excuse. Say, listen, why should I work so hard? Let me just be happy with it, with what I have. Shouldn't I be Semeric? Shouldn't I be happy with what I have? I have to work so hard. I have to be so spiritual. I'm good the way I am. And he brings a proof that's not true. It's simply not true. Why? Because there's no such thing as being happy with what you have when it comes to ruchnias, when it comes to spirituality. A person has to strive for more and more. And not only that, if he doesn't strive in ruchnias, he's going to wind up in the wrong direction. And this is exactly what the Ya'kut Shmani says on that Mishle. He says like this, What does it mean that the field was overgrown with thorns? It refers to one who seeks the interpretation of the Torah passage and does not find it. He's not working hard enough to figure out what it says. Its surface was covered. What does that mean? It means because he didn't toil enough. And what's going to happen? He's going to declare the pure to be impure. And the impure to be pure. And the Messiah Shasham explains, initially he merely cuts down on his efforts, and this has a negative effect on his Torah learning. And because of this deficiency, he will find that his comprehension will elude him in in his further learning. But that's not enough. As he progresses, it gets worse and worse. In his laziness, he'll wind up saying the wrong thing, and he'll corrupt the truth. And it'll wind up being over the words of the rabbis. Why? Because he didn't learn properly. It's like a poison that gradually progresses and spreads. And his actions are not apparent until death takes hold. And that's what the Chazal means that says the Torah can either be a spice of medicine of life or a medicine of death. Why? Because if you learn Torah with your right hand, which means all your strength, then it will be a samachayim. It will be the drug of life. But if you learn it with your left hand, weakness, it's going to be a medicine of death. It's going to kill you spiritually. So a person can't just say, well, I'm satisfied with what I have. No, a person has to work hard to grow spiritually. But that means that we have to go against our nature. What does Messi Hashanah say? He says... Notice human nature is characterized by laziness. Why? Since the physical element of dust, which man is by man. Adam comes from Adama. Man, the word man comes from the word ground. We were made from the ground. We're lazy. Our nature is to be lazy. But we have to overcome it. And that's what the Chazal says. Barak says, Be bold as a leopard, light as an eagle, fleet as a deer, and courageous as a lion to do your will of your Father in heaven person has to motivate himself, he has to get up and go. But the problem is that the lazy person has all kinds of ideas, intellectual reasons why to be lazy. Mishle says, the lazy person is wiser in his own eyes than seven sages. And if you'll check out your real reasoning, your real thinking of why you decide most of the things in your life, you'll see it's coming from laziness. It's a very scary idea. So how do we acquire this quality of the fight for life? We have to be like a lion. We have to be like a warrior. We have to fight to mitake and to fix our character. We have to fight to do mitzvahs. We have to get up early. We have to daven and we have to mechanic our children. The day is short and the workers are lazy. <laughs> We're lazy. So the Messias Yisharim gives a couple of eights. A little bit of advice on how to do this. So one thing he says, if you move your physical body, so that will arouse your inner feelings. When he quickens his external physical movement, it will thereby cause his inner f- fever to be aroused. So just by physically moving faster, that is going to motivate us from inside. It's going to get us moving. If you get yourself, and that you have control over. A person has control over his physical body. Maybe he's not so motivated spiritually, or he's despondent. But by physically moving ourselves, that can help to motivate us. For the person in whom this desire is not sufficiently kindled, it is advisable that he actively arouse himself. This will lead to the result that desire will become part of his nature, for the external physical movement will stimulate the internal one. Anthony Robbins, eat your heart out. This was written 200 years ago. If you take the posture of being motivated, you become motivated. If we utilize that which is within his capability, eventually he'll also be able to acquire which lands beyond his capability. And he will discover inner joy, yearning, and desire. And as a result of the deliberate intensity in his movement, like the prophet says, they shall foul the eternal like a roaring lion. There's a war going on here. There is a spiritual war. Our life is a spiritual war. We have to motivate ourselves. He continues and he says another motivation is just having a car to tov, realizing all the good that God gives us. He says, We may, however, invigorate this awakening by observing all the good that the Holy One, blessed be, he does for man every moment. The great wonders that he does for him, from the time of birth until the day he dies. How many things can we thank God for? How many good things do we have? Our existence itself is pure chesed. It's pure kindness. Why should we be here at all? And most people have so much they can't even thank God. They have families and cars and wives and children. People have things. People have a life. How can you not thank God? So that motivation, that, a course, at all, that recognizing the good is a thing that you can use to overcome your laziness. So now we have to go back and answer our question on the Rambam: Is it physical strength or is it spiritual strength? So he wants to say, Rav What do the Parkeivls say? Mia Gibor, who is strong, the one who's covers his Sahara? So he says, It can't mean that by his own strength he beat his evil inclination. Why? Because it says a kedushin. If, a, if a kaddish Baruch didn't help, if Hashem didn't help a person to beat his evil inclination, there's no way. So it doesn't really come from his strength. There's not a person strong enough in the world to beat his Eitzahar, to beat his evil inclination. Rather, the Kavana means that he used all of his strength. Everything that he had, he used to fight his Sahara. Ubaschus, you got to hear this. And on the merit of this, how Pakadish Barko helped him. Also, that's true physically. He's saying a tremendous chiddush here. He's saying that the gibor is the exact opposite. The strong person is the opposite of the lazy person. The strong person is the one who puts in all his energy. Whether it's physical or whether it's spiritual, it's hainohak, it's the same thing. It's a question of focus. He continues and says, A man does his part. And from the heavens, he gets help according to his meters, according to his strength, what he uses. That's the amount of help that he's going to get from heaven. It's a question of his focus and his strength and his razon and his desire. And that's why it's put on his name, your actions are yours. But really, in the end of the day, it was Hashem that helped you do the action. Just like it says that the Mishkan is a Moshe's name, but Yaka Moshe is a Mishkan. Moshe raised the Mishkan. Really, he didn't do it, Hashem helped him. But he was the one who focused on it. So both physical strength and spiritual strength come from the same source, they come from a question of focus and desire. And that's where Aaron got the strength, the physical strength, to lift up the Levium, And Moses was able to hold the Luchos. And Yaakov was able to move the rock And and the other stories. The physical strength came from the desire, from the desire to do the will of God. God gave extra strength, super strength. And that's also Pashat and Gemara Nadarim. What does it mean that the presence of God will only go upon a person who's strong, upon a person who's focused? Now it comes out that our spirituality, our consciousness, our awareness, our closeness to God all comes from our focus. We have to get rid of laziness. If we get rid of laziness, we could be close to God. It's an unbelievable idea. We have to get out of bed and push forward. Our ruchlias, our spiritual life, is dependent upon it. We're fighting a spiritual war. And if we want to be happy, if we want to be sameach, and we want to feel close to God, so if we work hard, we will. And if not, what happens? We go into what's called the existential vacuum. We have no purpose in life. A person thinks that he can be on Facebook all day and just hang out in his room and smoke drugs and do whatever, he's all relaxed because our society has now turned into a society of laziness. Well, we have everything's automatic, machines are working for us, and we think that since that's true, since we can hang out all day, we're going to be more happy. Why? We have a life of leisure. Doesn't that lead to happiness? Doesn't leisure lead to happiness? The answer is no. Leisure leads to what's called the existential vacuum. A person feels he has no purpose in his life. He doesn't do anything with his life. He just hangs around all day, and that's not going to make him happy. That's laziness. And laziness and hanging around does not produce happiness. What produces happiness? Hard work, purpose having real goals and not being afraid and knowing, yes, Hashem will help you. And even if you're not capable to push forward, because if you push forward, it's a siyat deshmai. It works on schus. It works on merit. The whole system is built on merit. The harder you work, the more merit you have to receive that thing that you want, to receive your dreams. Your dreams are coming to you because Hashem is sending it to you. But adam In a way that a man wants to go, Malik on to Hashem leads him. If you get up and go, you will have a tzlacha. you will be successful. But you have to push hard and go forward and have a karsa tov and thank God for everything you have. If you thank God, it'll give you the motivation to push forward and be successful. Here is a powerful parable. Just open your mind and The Magid Maduma brings the verse that says like this, Six days shall work be performed, and on the seventh day is a Shabbos of resting. Shabbos a Shabbos of Shabbos. What does it mean, a Shabbos of Shabbos? He writes to bring a mushal. One time a man brought for his son a beautiful clock. It was beautiful. It had polished glass. It had gold knobs. And the child was so happy. But what happened? The clock fell out of the kid's hand and it broke. The glass broke. All the pieces went over the place. And he was very sad. He was crying. So his father said to him, Listen, I bought you this clock to make you happy. If I would have known that it caused you so much pain, I wouldn't have bought it in the first place. That is the mushal. What's the nimshal? He says, Hashem gave to B'nai Yisrael the precious gift of Shabbos. So he can rest from work of all the work that he does during the week and also receive reward in the world to come. However, if a person fills the Shabbos with idle things and talking nonsense all Shabbos, in the end, it'll be very bitter for him because he's going to have to account for all of his actions. Because this is not what Hashem intended. Hashem intended that on Shabbos, we should sit and learn. We should push forward in Rukhni as in spirituality. And if we don't do that, God forbid, we'll be punished. And that's what it means, a Shabbos, Shabbos song. It's not only a Shabbos for now, but it's also going to be our Shabbos in the future. If we push forward in spirituality on the day of Shabbos, we will also have Shabbos in the future. But if not, it's not going to be a good thing. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. It says in the verse in this week's Parsha 21.1, you shall say to the karnim, and then it continues, and you should tell them. So the question is, why does it say it twice? So Chazal tells us, First, we tell the Kohanim for the sake of the mitzvah. We're saying to them which mitzvahs to do. And secondly, we're saying that you should love the mitzvahs. Not only should you do the mitzvahs, but you should also love them. So there's a story about Reb Benjamin Finkel. That one time a certain man in Israel agreed to have a meeting in his house to invite 50 people to come hear a rabbi speak. So what happened? The rabbi that was supposed to speak he got sick, and he couldn't show up. So he went to Rev Benyamin Fenko, and he asked him, please, can you substitute for me? There's going to be 50 people there. So Rev Benyamin Fenko agreed. So he went to the house, he looked at the address, and he gets there, he sees it's quiet. He doesn't hear anything. He checks on the paper, is this the right address? He has the right address. It even says the guy's name Moshe, it says Moshe on the door also. So he knocks on the door, and a guy comes out in his pajamas. So the Rav said, wasn't there supposed to be a lecture here? Oh, the man said, oh, I forgot all about the lecture. Matter of fact, I never told anybody about this lecture, and that's why nobody came. I'm so sorry. I see you came all the way from Yushalayim to come to give the lecture. So Rav Benjamin Finkel said to him, listen, you're worth to me all the 50 people. Maybe I'll come and we'll learn a little bit together. And anybody you're in your house will also come and learn. So the man had a son. So they learned together for an hour and the man and his son, the man Moshe and his son were very happy. They were all excited. They learned with the Rav and it was a very exciting experience for them. 20 years later, Rav Benyamin Finkel is walking down the street in Yerushalayim and someone comes up to him. He looks like a religious guy with a hat and a beard and payas. He says, do you remember me? So he looks at him, he says, Oh, aren't you the guy Moshe that I learned with 20 years ago? He says, yeah. So he explained to him, I myself became a Rosh Kolel. I run the Kolel. And my son, who also learned with us, he teaches there at the Kolel. So he asked him, how did this happen? How did you both become religious? He says, you should know, it was in the night that you learned with us. I saw in you so much love, so much excitement that you had for learning, that it was contagious. We caught that excitement from you, and therefore we continued our learning, and now we're standing where we are today. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rev Moshe Arnstein speaks about the benefits of peace. You have to know how important it is to have peace in your house. We know that peace is so vital that even Hashem's name can be erased for the sake of peace. In other words, if a man suspects his wife of cheating with another man, we take the shame of Hashem, we put it in a glass of water, we erase the name, and she drinks the water. If she cheated, she'll pass away. But if not, she'll have a son. But we see that you can erase Hashem's name directly with one's hands in order to make peace. There's another story in the Yushalmi that Rabbi Meir allowed a woman to spit in his eye for peace. The husband was mad at the Rav and she said, he said to his wife, I want you to spit in the eye of the Rav. And he agreed. Because he knew it would bring peace into their house. The word peace is mentioned 25 times in the Torah. And the word peace, Shalom, is one of Hashem's names. Hashem has the name of peace. Chazal tells us that when Aaron Cohen died, 80,000 young men walked behind Aaron's funeral bear. Why? And they were all named Aaron. Why were they named Aaron? Because Aaron, if you do the cashbone, and it comes out that he must have had at least five people a day that he counseled in their marriage to have that many children named after him. Why were they named after him? Because he made peace between the man and his wife, and they named their son Aaron after Aaron. That nowadays we're too quick to get a divorce. Brings a story of the Chazanish that some of these doctors said that these people cannot be together. They shouldn't stay together. And Chazanish fought them. Later they got together, they had peace in their house, and they had a child. And therefore, if you have perseverance, you can have peace in your house. No matter how bad things are, he brings proofs here. He brings exactly what we were talking about before. He says someone who really wants can lift up an object 10 times the normal load. We know there's tangible evidence for this of people who lift up heavy loads to save their properties from fire or a woman lifts up a car to save her child. These are documented. And the same thing for peace. You have to really want peace in your house. We know that Ruth followed Nomi to She wouldn't give up. And from her came David and Melech. Mashiach came from her because she persevered. She didn't give up. It brings the same rise that the Ramban said. By the Mishkan it says every person whose heart inspired him. The Ramban explains that people who really yearned to make something in the Mishkan found themselves the ability to weave and embroider skillfully. Don't give up on your marriage. Do not give up. There's still a chance. It's difficult times now. But if you push forward, you can make peace. You can be successful in your marriage. And you see if you have a machlokas, if you have a fight in your house, you have to nip it in the bud. That's what the shlo says. The shlo explains that the word machlokas, which means argument, starts with a mem, which has a small opening. Then it gets wider with the next letter, which is ches. And then there's lamin and kuf, which are flames which go up and down. So you have to nip it in its bud. You have to stop the machlokas. Don't fight. It takes two to tango. If one of the couples is not going to fight, there's not going to be a fight. And concerning the peaceful person, it brings down in the Chinook, he says, He who behaves with his fellow in the way of love, peace, and friendship, and seeks people's benefit, and is happy with their welfare, concerning him it says, Yisrael in whom I glory. It's God's glory, a person who's peaceful, a person who doesn't fight, a person who sees good in other people, and only wants good. It's the greatest kiddush Hashem. It brings God into the world. So you might ask, listen, I can't compromise on everything. Where's going to be my spirituality? My wife wants this and that. Where's my spirituality? How can I compromise? The answer is, no, there's a pasik. You'll be protected. Those who love your Torah will have great peace and have no stumbling blocks. And don't blame your spouse if there's no peace. There's no such thing as Chafetz Chaim brings down, stop blaming others, warns against blaming other people when there's a lack of unity. We see from this time period, serious Omer, the Rebbe Kivis the Talmidim the Chavitz Chaim says the Talmidim of Rebbe Akiva they blamed each other and all their sanctity didn't protect them we have to stop blaming or take responsibility and push forward and not give up if there's problems in your house if you don't give up in the end you will solve them okay that's it for this week's Torah Podcast I hope you enjoyed it and please share it with your friends and leave comments Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at GlobalYeshiva.com.